Listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. My name is Adam McKeldry. I get the privilege of serving here on staff as the associate pastor. I know last week when Josh was up here and he was he was sharing from his heart about some some hard things, he said that the church gets to go on a ride with our senior pastor as he learns and God reveals things to him. And this last week, actually the last couple of weeks, God has taken me on a ride as well. And so on a smaller scale, I'm going to take you guys on a ride with me. I want to share what God has been, I think, sharing with me and revealing to me over the last week about this section of, of text. And, and Greg said that this is about resurrection, this whole chapter. It's the, the longest chapter that you will find and God's word that deals with resurrection. And there are a lot of ways to go to talk about this. And the way he took me was unexpected. And I hope that it, I hope that it impacts you guys as, as much as it did for me. But as I was thinking about today, I realized, oh man, this is August 1st. It is August already. That is crazy. This summer has just flown by. It's been busy for myself and my family. We've, we've been traveling all over the place. We started this summer. My wife and I celebrated 21 years of marriage, which was awesome. Yes, thank you. And then we, hit a, we had a couple of weddings that we hit. My son came home from New York from school, got to spend some time. And then we got to cr- scratch something off of our bucket list this summer. As some of you guys may know, I've talked about it a little bit from up here, and it's on my shirt today. I'm from Montana. Born and raised, grew up there, western Montana. I grew up in a a little town on the Flathead Indian Reservation at the base of the Mission Mountains. I want to share with you guys a picture of what that looks like. So this is where I grew up, up until seven years ago, well, Longer than that, but that was, that's where I grew up. And you see in this mission, this range, it's, it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. Just below that wall, what you can't really see very well is there's this giant waterfall. And the next picture that pops up here gives you a little different angle. Uh, oh, you can't see it, but down at the bottom right is that little town that I grew up. Now, a little disclaimer. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like this anymore. It's been completely urbanized. There are millions of people living there. There's no room. Don't move there. Okay? Just kidding. You can go visit. You can go visit. Anyways, uh, so this is where I grew up. This next picture I want to show you guys is a close-up of that waterfall up there on the top. That is called the Upper Mission Falls. And what you can't see, just below that, where that red arrow is pointing, there's another waterfall. Now, I tell you all this because over 21 years ago, when I had to fight hard to convince my wife to actually date me, she came up to my old stomping grounds and she looked up at that mountain range and she's like, oh man, that's beautiful. She saw those waterfalls up there, she goes, whew. 
we should go up there sometime. You ever been up there? Nope. I have not. Let's go up there sometime. I said, sure, I'll take you up there. Every time after that day we went up to see my parents, she would ask me, we going up to the falls today? Oh, no, 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 not this time, not this trip. That's, we can't do it this trip. There's too much going on. For 21 years, I heard that question. Every time we went up to my parents' place, we wouldn't even have to be there. She'd be like, hey, remember when you said you were going to take me up to those falls? Uh-huh, yeah. Someday. Someday I will. It got so bad, even the kids sometimes would ask and get in on it. Hey, Dad, remember when you said that you were going to take Mom up there? Yeah, 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 I know, I know. So this year was the year. We were up there camping in the mountains over a 4th of July weekend, and I finally, I finally took my wife up there. And we, there's a reservoir down there on the other side of that hill that you start at, and you start working your way up the, the trail. And it's only like a three to four mile hike. But this is the week that it was over 100 degrees consistently through the week. And this canyon just bakes in the sun. So I did not plan very well. Because it was like 110 in there. I hadn't hydrated very well. Obviously, you can tell I'm not in the greatest shape. It's straight down. But we start making up this path is pretty, pretty easy to begin with. Meanders through some woods. It's beautiful. It's great. But the last third of that hike is really steep. You start to get into some shale and some rocky spaces, and you're, you're crawling up in some spots, and the, the trail in some places is super narrow, and so you're just kind of walking along. And Like I said, I was not very well prepared. I was super dehydrated. And by the time we were making our way up, we're like halfway up. And I didn't know it at the time. Halfway up that steep section, I had to take a break. I had to sit down. And it was right at this space where we could, it finally opened up along the pathway. And I look across the canyon and I see the waterfalls. And I'm like, oh man, those are pretty. But that is way over there. And there is a huge canyon we have to still go through. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I don't know that I can make it. I'm, I'm recalling medical training from my military days. I'm like, okay, what are the signs of heat exhaustion? Nausea, dizziness, check, got that. Still sweating, okay, good, so it's not heat, stroke, I'm, I'm doing all right. And Kathy looks over me and she's like, she can see I'm getting pale. She's like, we don't have to do this, we can turn around. I'm like... I know. I am not turning around. We are going to make this. I don't know how we're going to get way over there, but we're going to do it. Even if I have to tumble down and walk up the other side. So we start going back up the hill. We turn around this corner and walk into this draw, and then I start to hear water rushing. I'm like, what in the world? Where is that coming from? keep it going along the path and the path opens up again and I look up and I can see the lower falls. I'm like, oh, I was looking at the wrong thing. We were almost there and I just about tapped out and wanted to go back. 
And so we get back up to the t- we get up to the top of the falls. And it's hot and it's exhausting. My wife shoots this video that I want to share with you guys from there. So here we are, we're up here. The flow is less, the volume is less than it usually is. But that was it. We got to the top. And I just sat there and just took in the beauty of what there was up there. It was super peaceful. The only sound was the sound of that water rushing. And man, that water, oh, that water was so good. If you have never drank pure glacier mountain water, you are missing out. That is so delicious. Some of you may be wondering, what in the world does this story have to do with Paul and Corinthians? Well, I want to get to that in just a minute. But I I need to make a point that is a little less important than what I'm going to go to, but is important nonetheless, and it's this. Ladies, if your man tells you he's going to do something for you, he'll do it. Sometimes it takes us longer than others to do it, though. Guys, try not to take two decades to follow through. Let's get to Paul and his letter to the Corinthians that we've been working through for the last couple of months. We are in chapter 15. Let's start working through this, and uh, I hope I can help you see why God brought this story to me this week when I was studying through this stuff. Starting in verse 1. It says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. So Paul is circling back to where he started this letter. Do you guys remember in the very beginning, Paul was calling them to remember the message of the cross that he had brought to them. Remember the reason why you were doing what you're doing. And so he is coming to the end of his letter and he's like, We just talked about a lot of hard stuff. You're facing a lot of hard stuff. And I want you to remember why it is you do it. And it's the message that I brought to you. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is the same good news that we are aware of, right? We know this. We know that Christ died for our sins. We know that he was buried and raised on the third day. And what Paul does is there's more to the story here. That's only half of the the gospel that he received. And as you continue to read through there, he goes into the next half of that, and that is there are people, witnesses, that have seen Jesus Christ after he was risen from the dead. The apostles, Peter, 
500 other people saw Jesus and experienced him after he was risen from the dead. They ate with him. They touched him. They lived with him for another 40 days after he was risen. And this is an important part of that message, that gospel message as we're going to continue to see. Because as Paul continues on in his letter, he's going to get into some implications about resurrection. So let's jump over to verse 12. He says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, that's what he's talking about. That's what he's been preaching. How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? I don't know if why Paul is bringing this up is because it was something that they asked about or if it was a report that he was getting from somebody there that there were people within the church saying there is no resurrection of the dead. I think it might be beneficial for us to take a step back from the text and look at what resurrection of the dead would mean to this cultural time, these, the, the cultural context of this. You see, for Greeks and Jews alike, the term resurrection of the dead applied solely to a, a bodily resurrection. Like the body that you died, our bodies, when it dies, if there was resurrection of the dead, this body would have life in it again. And that was a, a, a big theme within most of the Jewish culture. They saw a day, someday in the future, when the Messiah had come and had established his kingdom, when he would raise the righteous back to life and give them a new body to live and experience the kingdom that he was establishing. But in the Greek and Roman culture, they didn't really see it that way. For them, some didn't think there was a life after death at all. Like as soon as you died, that was it, you were done. You ceased to exist. But some saw that there was a life after death, but they saw it as more of a, a spiritual existence. There was, there was no need for a body. There was uh, a place that your spirit, your soul would go to, and that's where you would exist. And so... I think as you think about it, and for me it makes sense why that last half of the gospel message that there were witnesses that Jesus was bodily resurrected would be so important for these missionaries as they're going into the, the Gentile world and the Greek and Roman culture to share that, that this is, not, this is something different. This is, this is a resurrection of the body that happened to Jesus. And there are lots of witnesses that saw it. And so Paul continues, but if it is preached that Christ has not been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that, we ra- that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. 
Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who have already died, are lost also. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Jesus hadn't raised from the dead, our faith is useless. This time that we're spending together right here, right now, means nothing. We should be pitied among all people because we believe something crazy. Growing up in the church, I, I know that resurrection was part of the message, but it seemed like it was always an afterthought. It felt like it was more about the cross and, and the sacrifice and the death and laying your sins at the cross. And that is all true and that is all important. It's all part of this message. But Paul's like, if you forget the part that Jesus raised from the dead is living, still, right now, here today, is living, none of it else matters. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the linchpin. It's the thing that holds everything together for us. And it was this section of text that I was working through and, and meditating on this week that, and I'm just asking, like, God, what is it that you have for me and for, for your people? And I'm reading through this, and this is when he was like, I want you to tell that story about hiking up to the falls. Like, I, why? Why do you want me to share a story that is not so flattering about me taking 20 years to fulfill a promise to my wife and taking her up to some falls. What is the purpose of that? What does that have to do with resurrection? It's like you're asking the wrong question. Why? Why did it take you so long to fulfill that promise? That was something I'd never thought of. I'd never taken the time to dive deep into understanding or addressing why it was that I had not fulfilled this promise that I had made to my wife. So I did. And as I started to peel back the layers and, and peel back the excuses of, well, that wasn't in our plan this weekend, and, or, or I don't really like to hike unless I'm chasing after an elk, or whatever the case may be. As I started to peel those things away, I found something that I didn't expect. What I found was fear, which was weird. I'm like, that's weird, fear. Why is that there? And so as I lo- thought about it some more, I began to, to see that as I thought about hiking those falls, I started to hear my dad's voice in my head. I see, my dad was a game warden for the tribe up there for a lot of years. And one of the things he did was he was a part of the search and rescue team. And he told us so many stories about recoveries, not rescues, recoveries, that he would do of people that had fallen down those falls that I showed you guys. Who had gotten too close to the edge, lost their footing, or... There's a big flat rock and some people will go out there to take a picture and it's slick and they'll go into the water and they're gone. 
And I realized I was afraid to become one of those stories. And so I pushed it off and pushed it off. Even that day when we were up there on the mountain and I'm sitting on the, on the side of the, the, the trail and I'm looking out over this beautiful landscape and I see those falls, fear was gripping me, rearing its head. Fear of what I just shared about falling, but also I started to feel afraid of failure. Like I, here, I'm, all, I'm all the way up here. I don't want to go back and be a failure. I, I don't want to disappoint my wife anymore. So it motivated me to get up and keep walking. And like I said, when we got to the top, man, I just stood up there on that rock. It took like a half hour for that fear to subside. And for me to be able to look around and really embrace what God was showing me up there, to really enjoy what was happening. I had changed my reason why I was on that mountain. And I think that is the question that is underlying here in what Paul is writing to, his, to the Corinthians. It's the question that God had me ask of myself, and it's a question that I believe he wants me to ask you guys today. And that's, what's your why? Why, and what I mean by that is, why follow Jesus? Take a minute. Think about that. Ask yourself that. Why do you follow Jesus? I know for some of us, we may be in a season of life where we've never felt closer to God. And to, to ask that question of ourselves, it's not that difficult. Like, oh, that's easy. I know exactly why I follow God. I know exactly why I walk with Jesus. It's, that's silly. Why do you even ask that question? But there are some of us who are in a season where we don't want to ask ourselves that question. We don't want to ask ourselves that question because you know that you are probably not going to like the answer you give yourself. Or maybe you're not going to like the possibility of somebody finding out what that answer might be. Maybe you're like, I follow Jesus because Somebody literally scared the hell out of me when I was younger. I did not want to die and spend eternity in hell, so I I decided to follow Jesus that day. Some of you might be like, well, I, I follow Jesus because that's what my family does. That's what my friends do. It's expected of me. It's what I have to do. Maybe some of you are like, well, I thought I knew why I follow Jesus, but now I'm, I'm not so sure. In the words of Paul, maybe you're not even sure there's a resurrection. And so all of this faith stuff seems useless. It seems futile. It just, like he says later on in chapter 15, you just get to that point, you're like, let's just go eat and drink and have fun because, I don't know, tomorrow we might die.
There gets to be a time where sometimes in our lives we just don't know how to answer that question. You know, there was something that I didn't share earlier when I was talking about my experience on the mountain is that when we were sitting there on the side of the mountain trying to decide what we are going to do, along the pathway came two other groups. One group just blew right past us. The other group was, I think he's a, a teacher down at the school there, and he had some students with him. And they walked by, and they're like, hey, hello. And we're like, hello, how's it going? Go, good, great, great. And as he's walking by, he goes, see you at the top. See you at the falls. And I thought, hmm. Weird. Why would he feel the need to say that? You know, sometimes when we are struggling to find an answer to that question, why? We can't find it on our own. We can find it in the community around us. We can find it in the community around us. You guys know what I'm saying? And that's what Paul's been doing all throughout this letter. All 14 chapters before this chapter on resurrection, he is, he is pointing them back. He is encouraging them to remember why they have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. That isn't just about one piece of who he is, but it is everything. It is everything. Are you still struggling as you're sitting there trying to think of a reason why? Are you still trying to, you don't have, maybe you don't have anybody that you're letting inside your, your life to be able to speak into you and help you find that reason why? And maybe you can't figure it out on your own. But there's one other source where we will always find a good reason why. And Peter, in his letter, Peter is one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. In his letter that he writes to the church that is scattered throughout the region, I think he gives us some excellent reasons that we might be able to grab onto and use as our why. Chapter 1, starting in verse 3. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that never, can, can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven who, that's you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You are shielded by the power of God. 
In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that you, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That was the reason. That was the answer for me this last week when I asked myself, why? Because I was wondering why. Like, why, Lord, why? Why am I doing this thing? Why am I, where am I going? What's going on in my life? What is the point? Why am I on staff at a church? Why am I trying to do relational relation, discipleship? What am I doing? Why? And he said, remember what you experienced at the waterfall? When you let everything strip away and you just sat in my presence and you tasted of that which was good, that's why. You experienced that inexpressible joy. Like, yeah, I did. And then God brought more answers for me because we got a chance as a staff to go commune, gather with other churches all across, from all across this country who are doing the same thing that we are doing, trying to love people well, walk with them in relationship and show them what it looks like to follow Jesus and to hear the stories that are going on in these other churches in, in Florida and in Texas and Colorado and Tennessee and California Man, that was encouraging to see that that inexpressible joy is being experienced by everybody. And that is my why. I want everyone that comes into my life to experience that inexpressible joy that comes from following Jesus Christ, that comes from loving Him. What's your why? What's your why? As we come to our time in our worship to, to move towards communion, I, I want to finish with something that Paul ends this chapter with about resurrection. As you get your, your elements ready. If you guys didn't grab one of these, there's some guys in the back here that have have some available for you. If you just raise your hand, I can bring you some. If you're new with us today, if you're just joining us, 
You don't have to be a regular attender here. You don't have to be a partner with Real Life to, to take in communion with us. All we ask is that you have made that choice to follow Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of your life. If you've done that, we would love for you to celebrate with us today. We would love for that to happen. So the end of chapter 15, after Paul has talked a lot about resurrection and what it looks like at the end and how without resurrection, our faith is useless and all this stuff and and death has no power and death has no sting because Jesus Christ conquered all that. He ends this way. Therefore, because of all the stuff I just shared with you guys, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. On that night when when Jesus took the bread and he broke it and shared it with his guys. He knew that this was not the end. He knew what he was going to be walking into was not in vain because he knew that God would raise him from the dead. That his body that is broken for us, even more than that, was raised from the dead for us. So let us remember, as we take the bread together today, that his body was raised for us. Let's take it together. And then the same way, he took the cup after, after dinner, and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, let's remember why he did what he did for us why he now lives for us and why we should be living for him. Let's take it together. Father God, Lord, I want to pray for your people. I pray for myself included, Lord. Lord, I know that some of us today are wrestling through this, this question and have been for some time. Why? Why follow you? And we've forgotten. We've forgotten the first love that we had and experienced with you, Lord. We've been to the the waterfalls and we we have tasted of your love, but now we are further along the path and we are sitting on the side of the road, the pathway, and we, we just don't know. It's too hot. We're spiritually dehydrated. Some of us don't know if we can go on. Lord, show us why. Give us our reason why. Reveal to each one of us what it is that you've called us to do and be for you in your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.